Episode of Soapbox on Two Double X FM and Sin Nation Nationwide. You're with Lee Constable, and today I have Zoya Patel in the studio. And today we'll be talking about lots of Zoya's different uh, projects, I guess, passions, interests. Um, but to start off with, you can tell me what gets you on your soapbox. Thanks for having me, Lee. Um, there's two things that I would say get me on my soapbox most regularly, um, and they are gender equality and animal welfare. Gender equality and animal welfare. Great great causes to get on your soapbox about. I certainly sure. think so. <laughs> so how did you initially become interested in gender equality? Um, it's a tricky question because I think it's something that crept into my awareness probably sooner than I was aware of it. Um, I grew up in a Muslim Indian household and there are lots of things about the culture that I grew up in that um, I guess support gender inequality um, or are Uh, embedded down into gender stereotypes and so when I was about 15 um, I found out about a feminist magazine called Lip and I interned there for work experience Um, and that was really my feminist awakening and I haven't really stepped away from that soapbox since. Okay and what did you find when you um, started interning at at Lip and with the people you met? Did that um, change your views on things or did it just kind of um, enhance something that you were already thinking about? I think it confirmed a lot of things that I might have thought but hadn't articulated yet about um, some of the barriers that women face even in a country like Australia um, and certainly some of the stereotypes um, particularly in the media that I had noticed and perhaps had been butting up against but hadn't really known how to talk about but I think it also really opened me up to I guess um, thinking that actually being allowed, um, you know, out there woman is kind of cool and not something that um, I needed to be ashamed of or that I didn't need to try and fit into a very specific mold as a teenager um, and that maybe there was a world out there that I just needed to wait until I was old enough to participate in that would be, you know, more inclusive of me. Okay. And you went on to actually become editor or sub-editor of Lip, is that right? I was editor-in-chief of Lip for yeah. four years, yeah. um, from 2010 till 2014. Um, so after my work experience, I kept writing for them and worked my way up until I was a columnist and then fiction editor and then editorial assistant and eventually took on the head role. So that was a really amazing experience. Yeah, an amazing achievement um, at such a young age. And I should mention, I'm actually speaking to ACT's Young Woman of the Year at the moment. Congratulations. Oh, Thank you. I always try and make that particular title fly under the radar because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there, there isn't only one young woman of the year in ACT, surely. There are lots of amazing women doing cool things. Yes, but I think these awards are definitely there because they remind us that there are people like you who have done so much for other young women as well. So anyway, congratulations on Thank that. You. And that's come about at a time when your other love, Feminazi, has been coming along greatly since you since you stopped working at lip tell us a little what would you say to someone who is wondering what feminazi is um i always start off by saying it's artsy not nazi because (laughs) when people hear the name i think often they think it's going to be quite a different kind of site um so it's definitely a pun um and i guess i try and describe it as um an inclusive online feminist space um it's more of an arts and literature journal than a magazine 
Um, and it's really about looking at gender equality through a creative lens and maybe through um, things like personal experiences, um, through memoir and also through fiction. Um, so trying to make the, uh, the conversation around feminism maybe a little bit more creative and a little bit more inclusive. Okay. And do you find that a lot of young women um, get empowerment through arts and culture events or is that a main way that you've found of expressing, obviously as a writer, of expressing um, that gender empowerment side of you? I think that, um, I mean, it's something that's very much influenced by my own lived experience as a writer and I find the arts and certainly the literary community here in Canberra but also in Australia very inclusive um, and very um, empowering to women writers and there's some really great networks available for women writers to meet each other but also be supported by you know other women so I do think there's a lot of power in the arts um, and certainly in in writing um, and the thing that I love about writing and sharing writing is that it, um, in a way, it validates your experiences and it gives you a voice. Um, and for a lot of women who might not feel comfortable, you know, speaking in public or um, taking on a more active role where they're personally in the line of fire, particularly when writing about gender equality, writing can be a way of um, contributing to that space without, I guess, opening yourself up to all of the vulnerabilities um, that come from activism um, in the more public sense. Yeah, definitely. And and that whole um, social activism side is sometimes very welcoming to some people and very alienating for some other people who may otherwise be very valuable members of a movement. Um, what sort of uh, women have you met through doing these sorts of works, not only with Lip, but with Feminazi? And um, what sort of uh, different aspects of um, gender equality and the gender equality movement have you really found have come to the fore? Oh, that's a, a really interesting question. I've been really lucky to meet a lot of amazing women um, through all of the projects that I'm involved in and certainly through LIP and um, more so through Feminazi in a way because of um, the fact that we have a bit more of a physical presence through monthly events. Um, and something I found really fascinating is um, stepping outside of the circles that I normally run in, um, particularly with, you know, young feminists um, and meeting women in Canberra who have been, you know, contributing to the feminist space for a really long time um, and have completely different experiences. So I actually met a woman at one of our early events last year um, who is a passionate feminist but also has um, a daughter with a disability and that really impacted on the way that she kind of saw gender equality and the issues that she saw, um, you know, her daughter face really influenced the way that she approaches feminism um, and just that intersectionality is really interesting to me. Um, and something that I really love being able to participate in through Feminazi, through profiling, you know, different people's experiences and meeting all these amazing women. Yeah, so I think that's been kind of great in the way that it's opened me up to different networks that I might not have realised existed here. Yeah, and how do you find that you um, interact with your background? Obviously, you said that you grew up in a household that was a Muslim household, as well as being a young woman, as well as being in this white Western um, place now in Canberra. Um, do you find that that's made you more interested in intersectionality and in the way that that um, influences women's experiences? Yes, definitely. I mean, I will say my upbringing was actually pretty progressive and um, you know really quite lovely in a lot of ways. Um, but 
that doesn't, uh, I guess, take away from the fact that the tenets of the culture that I was raised in are still um, often quite sexist. And so I was always really aware that anything that I experienced had an additional layer um, of complication added to it. And I think that's the way that you need to think about intersectionality is just these different layers that impact the way that you interact with the world. Um, And a lot of my writing does focus on race and the way that it intersects with both gender, but also um, culture generally in Australia. Um, I've called myself a a no country woman in writing before because I was born in Fiji um, and I'm Indian and I live in Australia. And, you know, in Australia, people, um, you know, I'm, I'm a migrant, so I can't possibly be Australian. Um, and in Fiji, I'm Indian, so I can't be Fijian. And in India, I'm Fijian Indian, so I can't be Indian. So I think race actually is a really complex and interesting area um, of study. And I love exploring that through writing. And do you find there are a lot of uh, women in Canberra who um, may have been into arts and culture and writing and things like that, especially in terms of um, talking about gender equality? But do you find that they are often excited that there are also events they can come along to to meet other people who may have um, different backgrounds and and different experiences of um, gender inequality. I certainly like to think that they're all really excited about it and I think we get a really good turnout which kind of indicates that and I think that there was a bit of a gap in Canberra of kind of inclusive feminist spaces um, that weren't focused on direct activism because there's some really great stuff that happens at both universities, um, really active women's departments, and I think they do some amazing stuff when it comes to advocacy and campaigns. But the point of difference with Feminazi is that it's um, almost like a, a more safe environment um, for those people who aren't that comfortable with activism, like I said earlier. Um, and it's a, it's a more social space as well and I think that that's been um really well received in Canberra um and I'm really looking forward to being able to kind of keep pushing that along in different directions um over the next year yeah and definitely a good opportunity when you're a writer and you're used to you know doing such a solitary part-time where you're in front of a computer or writing down in a book to actually be able to talk to other writers surely yeah definitely and I have to say when you run I mean, I had this with Lip, when you run something that's primarily online um, and you don't interact with, you know, your fellow writers or your fellow editors that much in person, I really thought it was important to have some kind of physical presence, um, selfishly, partly just for me, because it made me feel uh, less isolated and also I can actually see the impact of the work. Yeah, for sure. And um, I was going to ask about the impact of the work. Do you have any particular moments or stories that have come about that that have really resonated with you um, as showing what an impact this sort of thing can have? I think the best outcomes that I've seen have actually been um, with individual writers who've come through Feminazi. So there've been quite a few writers um, of all ages who are very much at the beginning stages of their career, um, some of whom have never been published um, before and come to me with, you know, quite a high level of anxiety around the process and, you know, maybe feeling not that confident in their work and being able to kind of nurture them as an editor, work with them um, and then actually publish their work and see them grow in confidence and see the way that the work is received that's been um really exciting for me and i think also just seeing the um the range and um, diversity in the audiences that come to events has been um, very personally satisfying because i wanted to create a really inclusive space and the fact that we get you know men and women and all ages and different cultures coming to our events um just makes me feel as if we might have you know somewhat achieved that objective which is really exciting 
Yeah, and it, it's definitely interesting uh, that you've got such an inclusive space mm-hmm. based off a kind of common jab that people often make it, the feminist movement, um, in reference to the feminine Nazi, um, that you've actually turned that around into an artsy pun um, yeah. and made it an inclusive an inclusive space. It's really interesting and obviously, um, obviously people are like becoming connected to that whole idea. I think, um, I mean, the thing that I try and do is, you know, when we're publishing content or when I'm curating speakers, I don't limit it based on what I want to hear or what my beliefs are or what my feminist kind of vision is. Um, Sometimes there'll be articles that come through where I don't personally agree with the premise that the the writer is putting forward, but there's, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that premise and they've argued it well and they're reasoning it and there's a logic and a beauty to the writing and so I'll still publish it. Um, And that's something that takes a fair amount of self-policing. I have to spend a lot of time kind of sitting back and saying, okay, is it just that I don't agree with it? um, Or is there something wrong with the writing itself? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that in itself means that we actually publish quite a diverse range of opinions. And inherently that's got to be, you know, inclusive in some way. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, that's probably part of the reason why people are connecting to the movement so much. It's, they feel like they're, um, they're actually valued and their views aren't going to be shattered down. Do you find that often people um, get a little bit worried or have have, um, some negative opinions about the feminist movement because they're worried that they don't um, fit into a certain feminist mould? Oh, definitely. And, I mean, even I have those moments occasionally and usually when um, I've experienced backlash from feminist circles is, you know, not being the right kind of feminist and not being feminist enough. Um, and that happens everywhere and in, in all movements. And I'm sure that there are people who feel, um, alienated by feminazi who I wouldn't know of. Um, and I think that part of that is about the conversations that happen, um, and worrying that you can't be part of those. But I think also there is, you know, there are these fractures that exist in the feminist movement and in a lot of ways as a movement, it, it is quite flawed. Um, and I certainly don't have the answers for how to fix that. But I think um, I always see it as, you know, you just have to toil away at the bit of the movement that you're in and try and make that space as kind of safe and inclusive as possible. And you won't always um, succeed at that, but at least the intention is good. And maybe that's what we should focus on is what the intent is of, of all the different parts of the movement. Yep, and I I wanted to turn a little bit of attention to some of the specific topics that you've talked about um, at the events and um, obviously in the online publication as well. I know that you had an event uh, that was about queering feminism, for instance. Yeah, so one of the things um, I try to do with the events is, um, again, kind of have that intersectional approach um and because I don't identify as queer myself um I kind of turned it over to people who I know of um who do identify as queer and um who have different experiences that they wanted to share um and the event was facilitated by um my she's the vice president of the Feminazi board um and also our social media manager Hannah McCann an amazing woman um who does identify as queer and, and she kind of took on that event and ran it because I think it's important that any um any event that we have that's looking at a you know, an identity that I don't identify with um, should be managed by somebody from that identity group. Um, And it was a really amazing event. It was actually one of the biggest turnouts we've had and one of the most uh, warm and inclusive spaces that I've been part of. And I feel like I learned a lot. So yeah, that was definitely a highlight for me. 
Yeah, for sure. And I I know that there's been others about motherhood and things like that. Is that also part of that trying to bring women into the fold who may not identify with feminism in the same way as yourself? Yeah, there is partly that. And it's also about trying to make um, the events a little bit more intergenerational as well. So broadening out from, I guess, like I'm conscious of not preaching to the choir. So I'm trying to have as diverse a range of topics as possible in the hopes that that brings in new audiences. Um, But certainly all of the events, um, the story share events that we have are meant to be about lived experience. So I'm not there to say that, you know, one experience is better than the other. Um, And I try and curate speakers who are quite diverse um, so that we can get into um, different, different, um, I guess, conceptions of feminism or different approaches to gender equality. Um, So that's something I really love being able to do through the events. Um, And I just love hearing other people's stories. I mean, I get a kick out of it myself. So um, in a way, I'm really just putting on events that I want to go to um, and then being able to go to them. Why not? Be the uh, be the social change you want to see uh, yeah, on exactly. your event calendar. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, what do you see as the direction for Feminazi now? Obviously, you've got a really solid platform and audience happening. Well, and this hasn't been publicly announced, but hell, why not do it right now? Um, we actually just uh, registered a media company called Coconut Media. Um, and Feminazi is one publication under that now. Um, and there's heaps in store for Feminazi over the next year. Um, we were lucky to get some Arts ACT funding. So we'll be launching a writer's development program uh, coming up. And we've got um, a partnership with Ainsley and Gorman Arts Centres for um, several more events next year. And we'll also be running our consistent kind of monthly events. Um, because, of course, we pay writers. So um, a lot of our energy goes into making sure that the funding streams are consistent. Um, but the exciting thing is that under Coconut media there's plans for another website in 2017 um and i won't divulge too much about that now but let's just say it um it combines my love of intersectionality and talking about race um Mm -hmm. and migrant cultures in australia so there's quite a lot on the cards um but i think it's safe to say that feminazi will be growing and changing and evolving in the next 12 months yeah and congratulations it sounds like you've got everyone excited to get on board um do you find that paying women for their for their works is a really important part of the whole project i yeah definitely so paying writers is um like a key value of mine and i should say that men write for feminazi as well and um i keep trying to encourage more male contributors but oddly they they don't necessarily always feel like they can um contribute to a feminist space so that's another challenge but I think that paying people, I mean, A, it's good from a business point of view because I can actually hold writers a bit more accountable to their work and be a bit more um, involved in that editing process. Um, but I think also, even though we can't you know, always pay a lot, it's really important that art and writing is valued as work because it is work. Um, and it's something that I'm really committed to continuing um, no matter what it kind of costs us as an organization I mean I don't get paid and and neither does um Hannah or either of our um editors um that are involved but um if they have any work published on the website then they do get paid so um I hope to be able to kind of grow that as well over the next 12 months yeah and you mentioned all of these different initiatives going forward uh but it sounds like a full-time job but you also are working at the same time uh would you like yes I'm crazy (laughs) Uh, So I work for a feminist not-for-profit called YWCA Canberra, which is really exciting. Um, And my role there is corporate relations and advocacy manager. So most of the work that I do is actually, um, I guess, feminazi is almost like the creative softer side. And then at work, it's more about actual campaigning, actual lobbying. Um, 
seeking some really significant outcomes um, when it comes to gender equality in a range of different areas. Um, but I'm lucky because um, through the Y, I've actually met um, a whole range of different women, including yourself, Lee, um, and been able to engage with networks that I wouldn't have had access to through Feminazi. So uh, with the two combined, I feel as if I actually get to find out about some really cool stuff that happens in Canberra, some really amazing feminist initiatives that go on around town. Um, and it gives me the chance to, um, I guess, stay engaged and vibrant. So even though I'm doing a lot, it doesn't feel draining because I just, I love it all. So, um, you know, I like to think, I would just be doing it anyway, you know, regardless of whether I was getting paid. So it's kind of cool that I have a full-time job that's just feminism, you know? Yeah, yeah. you're a full-time feminist. <laughs> I am a full-time Phew. feminist. I like that. <laughs> well, I'm sure that you're making lots of other people think a little bit more about feminism in their daily lives. And people who are already feminists and on board, it's great that they have such a great outlet for, for expressing their views. Um, because as you said, it is such a diverse community with so many different views and so many different experiences and so many different of the different layers as you were talking about um, when you mentioned in, intersectionality earlier. Um, so I was wondering if you'd like to talk about the rally that is being organized by YWCA. Yeah, definitely. So um, at the moment, it's the 16 days of activism to end gender-based violence. And that's a global campaign um, that started in America and we, um, you know, commemorate it um, in Australia as well. Um, and this year we're hosting a rally on um, Friday, December 11th at Parliament House. Um, and we're calling it a day of action. And really what we're asking is for a renewed and consistent commitment from government um, to end violence against women. Uh, we're partnering, YWCA Canberra is partnering with um, the three of the women's refuges in Canberra. So Doris, Tura um, and also Beryl. Um, and also the Domestic Violence Crisis Service. Um, and Andrew Lee, um, the member for Fraser, will also be speaking at the event. And it's really about um, commemorating the 78 women who have lost their lives to violence in Australia this year um, and marking a moment of silence for each of them, but also um, putting forward the five key areas of change that we have identified um, with the overarching theme of just making sure that any measures going forward are responsive to the, the diverse needs of women um, and takes an intersectional approach. So I strongly advocate for everyone to come along. It's 12 p.m. on December 11th at Parliament House. And if you head to our website, there's loads of information on there. So Google YWCA Canberra. Sounds good. Um, and it sounds like it will be a really big event, especially coming off the back of um, White Ribbon Day, which is a problematic and interesting um, day in itself yeah. just a couple of days ago. We tend to refer to it by its original um, name, which is the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, which is a UN um, holiday, which I guess is co-opted by White Ribbon. And whilst I think that there are some great things about White Ribbon, um, you know, there are some problematic things about any campaign that seeks to drive change for gender equality um, solely through men. Um, you know, there's my controversial tidbit for the day. <laughs> but there was a really great First Dog on the Moon cartoon about White Ribbon um, that I was reading that I think actually summarizes it perfectly. So people should just Google that. I agree. I shared that on Facebook yesterday. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this has been Soapbox on 2XXFM and Sin Nation Nationwide. You've been listening to Lee Constable and Zoya Patel. I forgot to even recall what we're listening to earlier because I was so interested in listening to what all of your answers to my questions were. So we've been talking about gender equity and specifically about Zoya's project, which has just snowballed into what is today Feminazi and not only um, not only includes literary um, and cultural 
uh, I guess, poetry and all sorts of types of writing um, online, but also in-person events monthly, uh, which bring together lots of different feminists from lots of different parts of the community. And also you've been talking about YWCA, and I wonder if you'd like to speak a little bit about your other love for animal rights. Yeah, so... um... I guess the two, I always say that if I wasn't working in feminism, I'd want to work in animal welfare. Um, And I started volunteering this year for a local organization called ACT Animal Rescue, um, which is just this amazing volunteer run organization that rescues dogs and cats from euthanasia and also horses from sale yards where they would end up as dog meat. Um, And the thing that I love about this organization is just how grassroots it is. And the two coordinators who um, founded and run the organization have largely been paying for all the costs out of their own pockets. And we've had some really amazing fundraisers this year as the public awareness has kind of grown and we've um, kind of really grown the community. Um, And I just think that what it really highlights to me is that there's not enough regulation around breeding of domestic animals. Um, And often there's just not a lot of public education around the impact of you know, simple things like desexing um, dogs and cats and, you know, making sure that any horses that you purchase for, you know, leisure purposes um, are rehomed appropriately um, and really highlights to me what I think is quite an evil industry, which is horse racing um, and all animal racing. Um, it really breaks my heart when I see the horses come through that have come straight from the track um, who are really young and um, have been injured through being raced too young. Um, I think there's so many things that we can prevent and preventing harm to animals is something that I think costs humans very little um, and means so much to the lives of other creatures. So yeah, I strongly recommend Googling ACT Animal Rescue and seeing um, how you can contribute. Yeah, so if you've been listening to, to the show, you'll have lots of different organisations and events to have a look at, including um, including not only our gender equity um, organisations that we've been talking about today and initiatives, but also animal rights and a first dog on the moon cartoon as well. <laughs> you've got definitely. a lot of Googling to do. If we should put up listening. some links. <laughs> <laughs> we should definitely put up a lot of links. Um, so... Lastly, I I was wondering if you'd like to talk a little bit about what someone could do if they were listening um, to the show and thought they had an idea for something they'd like to contribute to Feminazi. Yeah, so we're always looking for new contributors um, and very excited to hear from anyone who has ideas for content but also events. Um, If you head to the website, um, which is www.feminazi.com, there's a submissions page which has all my contact details um, and just some rough guidelines for how to submit. Um, And I should preface that by saying that when people email me, often I take, you know, more than a couple of days to get back to them and just don't panic. Definitely got in your email. I will definitely reply. So is busy either at work with the YWCA or, you know, with animal rights. Or, or playing with my cat at home. I don't know. There's lots of things, but I'm always happy to hear from people. Or if you come to an event, just come and chat to me at the end and we can um, talk about what you're interested in. Yeah. And I should definitely remind everyone it's Feminazi, F-E-M-I-N-A-R-T-S-Y. Um, yeah. If you're wondering about the spelling you go to feminazi.com you might find something quite different probably don't go there (laughs) (laughs) okay well you've been listening to soapbox on 2xx fm and sin nation it's been a pleasure to have you with us soya thank you for having me and my last question of course is if there was one thing that you'd like people to go away and learn more about after listening what would it be i would have to say intersectionality look it up um you know check your privilege and be more aware Thank you very much. I think that's a very important note to end on. Okay, you've been listening to Soapbox and please tune in again for another episode of Soapbox next week. 
Soapbox is proudly supported by YWCA Canberra. Tune in next week for another episode of Soapbox. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.